You are listening to the Birth Bruja podcast, radical, transformative, empowering birth work in all its nuances. Reproductive justice, racial justice, reclaiming ancestral wisdom, decolonizing the birth space. Here, my friends, we go deep. Join us each month as we chat with activists, scholars, healers, community wellness workers, birthing folk, and beyond to explore topics from their roots to their leaves. Hello, brave ones. Thanks for listening to the Birth Bruja podcast. I'm your host, Ari Guajardo Johnson, and this is episode two, Ancestral Medicine Series, part one. As many of us know and acknowledge, the process of birth is a powerful and sacred threshold that transcends both the physical and spiritual realms. Whether we are conscious of it or not, we as birth workers are deeply impacted and thus can experience profound shifts. Some of us experience this as heightened or depleted energy levels, abrupt changes in physical or mental well-being, etc. Without strong practices of boundaries and self-care, a birth worker can quickly burn out. Thus, my excitement to begin this series on ancestral medicine. Studying and practicing one's ancestral medicine can be a potent place for healing and wellness, Especially in relation to my practice of birth work, I have found these lessons to be invaluable as they enable me to cultivate wellness in mind, body, heart, and spirit. In this episode, we dive into the subject of ancestral medicine with healer, community worker, and curandera, Batul Trueheart. Batul has dedicated her life to keeping the traditional healing practices of her ancestors alive in order to heal herself, her community, and the earth from the devastating effects of colonialism, capitalism, and patriarchy. Walking the path of curandarismo, Batul cultivates her connection to her ancestors, the plants, and the elements by respectfully bringing her ancestral medicine to the world while empowering others to do the same. What does ancestral medicine mean? Why is it powerful? How can we begin or deepen the journey of exploring the healing modalities of our ancestors? Batul and I answer these questions and more. Stay tuned. Healing through the path of decolonization takes much work. It takes looking closely and unraveling the lies that have been so tightly woven into how we relate to ourselves, each other, and all living things. The earth, the water, our food, our bodies, animals, the plants, etc. Separation is the big lie. It keeps us disconnected from everything and everyone. I haven't always been a plant person. I didn't grow up around plants, and for years I killed the plants I tried to grow. This wasn't because I was born with a natural inclination toward killing plants. It's because I had trauma that prevented me from being present and connecting with them so I could meet their needs. Now that I'm present with the plants, they grow. Now that I am conscious of my tendency to hold my breath, I am present with my breath. I breathe deeper and feel better. In the end, it's all about connection. It is in recovering our innate capacity to connect with ourselves and the life around us that we discover the truth of who we are, our identity, our purpose. And rather than seeking out an external spiritual path, A beautiful place to begin this journey is by diving deep into the traditions of our own ancestors. This is how we truly reconnect 
This is how we heal. This is how we come home. May we heal by relearning the true history of our ancestors. May we heal by reclaiming ceremonial ways of prayer. May we heal by reconnecting to the earth and all the elements. May we heal by remembering the languages and traditions that have been lost. May we heal. Mm, thank you so much for that beautiful, beautiful offering. I am humbled and excited and totally fangirling um, to welcome Batul Trueheart into the studio here for our second episode of the Birth Bruja podcast. Um, and Batul, if you could just share a little bit of um, the title of that and where folks can read more of that offering. Yes. Um, the title is from an article I wrote. Uh, it's called Decolonization, the Path to True Heart Healing. And um, the article is in this magazine called Life as Ceremony. And my friend Alice Johanna Baca, she um, started this online magazine, um, but now there's prints that you can, are available. Um, and she gathers women every solstice and every equinox to write about a particular topic. And last fall, uh, she gathered us together to write about healing. And so that's just kind of the end paragraph to my essay. So good. So um, I, as I mentioned, am extremely, extremely excited. And this felt like a really big deal having mm -hmm. you come and speak here. And so uh, I just wanted to share with everyone else something that I've already said to you um, when I initially was trying to holler at you to get you to um, to speak with me. And that is that you are an absolute gift to this world. Uh, you embody your spiritual practice so beautifully, so profoundly, uh, that simply sharing space with you is uplifting and enheartening. You inspire me to deepen my relationship to self, my ancestors, this earth. Your honesty and vulnerability around your own path has given me strength to continue to do the work, especially when it's difficult. Getting all emotional, wasn't quite anticipating this. Um, I guess to speak a little you know, more specifically, when I first met you in person was um, at the Guranderas um, Toolkit at Ancestral Apothecary. And I've known of you before meeting you, um, but something about the way that you held that space uh, was particularly, particularly transforming for me because uh, I was just started the next section of healing my womb, healing my energetic space uh, from sexual assault that happened years ago. And then as life happens with new transitions, it's like a whole new realm of healing becomes apparent. And so um, I had entered that class with a lot of resistance. You know, it's like logically I knew I needed to be there and I knew I was going to do the work, but I didn't really want to be doing it. Um, and having... Yeah, having you there, the way you held that space, um, it just made it so much more, so much more. Mm. So thank you. And mm -hmm. and in that, um, I feel like having you on this show, having the honor to help amplify your voice, your work, is not only um, healing to myself now, but healing to my younger self. Uh, if only I could have encouraged that little person to keep singing to the wind, to keep talking to plants, and to keep praying to the, mer to the moon and la virgen. Uh, 
uh, to to let that little one know that my ancestors don't give a fuck about me not being brown enough or white enough for this community or that space, that they were that they are there waiting for me to reestablish connections that had been severed in my family's process of assimilating into U.S. culture. Um, if only. She could have been told that all of these intuitive pulls to medicine and magic are real, and that I will be needing them in the future. Mm-hmm. I feel like that that's that sort of message is maybe not as specific, but that's like that's what you embody. That's what you offer. It's just this really hardcore, powerful validation and this really um, enticing invitation to this work. Mm-hmm. So thank you so so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So to start off, if you could just speak a little bit about yourself, um, where do you come from? What are you doing these days? Hmm. <laughs> All right, let's see. Well, my name is Batul Trueheart, and um, I like to always start by um, just naming and claiming my ancestries. On my father's side, I'm Yaki from the uh, Sonora Desert, the border of um, what's now called northern Mexico and southern southwestern Arizona. It's my dad's side. And then on my mother's side, uh, we're mixed Spanish-Panamanian. My great-grandmother came here to the U.S. in the 50s with my grandmother, who was then a teenager. And then my mother was first generation born here. But they are, you know, they're wonderful. And they are, you know, fair-skinned, green-eyed, blonde hair, and really, you know, I, although they had their own struggles, you know, definitely, you know, at the same time, you know, definitely walked with privilege of having lighter skin. Yeah. And so even though I grew up with that side of my family, I didn't grow up with my Yaki side of my family. I didn't, although I always knew I was native because my mom told me that, I didn't actually meet my father or know that I was specifically Yaki until I knocked on his doorstep at age 32. So I think that was about eight years ago. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of when, well, things had already been starting some years before that for me as far as my path, but um, that's when things really started to unfold. So I mostly grew up with my Panamanian side, although, you know, very assimilated as well. And, you know, I didn't grow up knowing Spanish. I still don't know Spanish. I say I'm learning Spanish now because I am. And although I knew I had brown skin and native ancestry and all of this, you know, in some way I kind of thought I was like everyone else too. And in some ways, yes, we are all the same. And at the same time, now that I know my lineages, I have more of a sense of who I am actually mm-hmm. because I know uh, now I know where I come from and I know the people I come from and I know uh, the kind of strength and power that they have. So that's been very healing in itself. So, yeah, it's great everything you've said so far because I think that is a lot of my work, you know, is um, I've, I've um, struggled a lot in my life with identity and with the loss of identity and what comes with that. And to me, kind of the main symptom has been um, a feeling of worthlessness. Mm. And so that's a big, you know, that's a big burden to carry, especially when I know I and we, we have so much value, you know, so much to offer. So that's been a lot of my healing journey, I'd say. Wow. And in terms of the work that you're doing these days, I mean, I've met you, you know, in the context of a class 
and I know through Instagram. If you could also please share your Instagram handle because, folks, if you're not following this woman, you need to immediately press pause and go follow her. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, if you could just talk a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, so let's see. Well, there's what I do every day, you know, in my home, in my space. That's in my being. You know, that's a lot of my practice and my work in this world. But then I also teach a class at Ancestral Apothecary. That's the school in Oakland called Curandera's Toolkit. And, geez, already at the end of May, it'll be two years that I've been teaching that class. It's a class that happens every spring and fall for 13 weeks. And that's on Thursday nights. And it's a wonderful opportunity for people to come and reconnect, uh, remember who they are, where they come from, um, the medicine that we all carry. It's not a class to become a curandera, um, but it is a class to reconnect, like I said, with our, with our medicine, with the medicine, traditional medicine, um, you know, how to heal ourselves, how to uh, make medicine, support our families, you know, when there's any kind of illness. Um, so it's a wonderful class, and it definitely, I took that class for the first time three years ago, and then a year later started teaching it. Um, but it, it was a huge, huge transformational time for me in that class. So um, I always just, yeah, feel very honored to teach that class and highly recommend it for people. Me too. Yeah. And everyone's in the class. <laughs> yes. So um, so that's one thing I do. And um, also related to this work, um, every year, the last three years, um, I've been bringing um, healers uh, on this path down to Oaxaca to um learn with my teacher, Estela Roman, um, and her teacher, Doña Enriqueta, and other curanderas, Doña Socorro, um, others that we learn with down there. And so that happens generally every January or February of each year. So we just went this last a few months ago. So um, people can look out for that too if you want to come down and just really deepen on the path. Um, I teach other classes too. I don't have anything specific scheduled right now. Um, but, um, you know, I make medicine. I do have a line of medicine called Maso Medicina. Maso means deer in Yolme, which is um, the Yaqui language. Yeah, I have one particular product right now that I sell. Um, it's called Agua Florida. Um, it's a spray. Uh, it's made of flowers and herbs. Um, sometimes you can find this particular Agua Florida um, that's made synthetically. But mine is made, you know, just from the power of the plants. And you can find it at Five Flavors Herbs in Oakland, Scarlet Sage in San Francisco, La Botanica Azul, which is um, going to be a POC founded and ran and queer also space, um, a botanica um, that's coming up. But right now they have pop-ups around the base, so I sell with them. So yeah, that's my medicine, more to come. Mm. Um, right now, probably the best way to stay connected with me and my work is through my Instagram handle, which is just at Batul Trueheart. Um, you can kind of just see what I'm doing, what I'm offering through there. And then I will say I am working on a bigger website and all of that. I think definitely by the, at least by the end of the year, it will be done. I'm about to step into um, working with people as a clinical herbalist. I'm mm-hmm. about to finish up my third year of my formal training in herbalism. So I'll be working with people for their physical ailments, along with what I'm already doing, continuing to expand, working with people for their emotional and spiritual ailments as well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and we're going to dive more into specifically uh, what that sort of medicine looks like. So speaking of the class that you teach, Curandera's Toolkit, uh, would you please speak a little bit about what Curanderismo is? Yes, let's see. So 
there's a couple ways I think about curandismo, but um, you know, it's definitely a, a path of healing, a path of ancestral healing, earth healing. Um, it's definitely a path that comes from the struggle. It's for the struggle, and it comes from the struggle. Um, you know, there was curanderas, curanderismo here before the um, colonization came here, um, but really curanderismo was formed after the conquest. Well, I don't like to say conquest necessarily because we're still here. We're not conquered. But it's a mix of, you know, indigenous practices from here, from this continent, um, you know, namely southwestern U.S., Mexico, but all of Latin America, what they call Latin America now. Also, it has African roots as well. When, you know, the Spanish brought over, forcefully brought over Africans as slaves, you know, also came the medicine of the Africans, their their plants, their connection to the earth, um, as well as specifically from North Africa and Spain, the you know, the Moors ruled Spain for hundreds of years, so there's that that Arabic influence as well. So there's there's a lot that comes in with curanderismo. Um, even a lot of our plants that we still use, you know, that we use every day, that we revere, you know, the chamomile, the the rosemary, those aren't plants from here, you know. The aloe is from Africa. So Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's important that we, you know, we tie all that in together too. That's really what makes this this path. And, you know, I think of curanderismo as like the um, the flower growing out of the cracks of the concrete. You know, it's like no matter what, you know, these things are trying to hold us down, but still we grow through it and we, we flourish and we bloom. If you could talk a little bit about your journey of connecting with ancestral medicine, you don't have to, I mean, if you want to go into the very beginning, it's up to you, but just in terms of um, what spoke to you? What drew you? And how did you start to weave this medicine into your life? Mm. Great question. Well, you know, I feel I have to always start with, um, you know, what really drew me here. Well, number one is my ancestors. You know, that's 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 the truth. Um, but also, I think what really brought me to this path is um, trauma is the trauma that um, I was born into. Um, from the womb, I experienced trauma, I experienced violence in the womb. My mother experienced violence in the womb. Um, I grew up around a lot of domestic violence. Um, again, you know, just the la- lack and loss of identity. Um, I really kind of attribute my trauma to, to colonization and, you know, most of the trauma of now and of everyone. Um, so, so yeah, that's really, you know, just kind of like the first 27 years of my life was uh, a lot of trauma. Um, and then, of course, as a teenager and into my 20s, a lot of drinking and drugs and those kind of things. So, um, yeah, I feel like that's, you know, just really kind of what has, has, pulled me to find this path is because I'm looking for healing. You know, I've been looking for healing for myself. Um, I've always felt I had a connection with the earth. Um, so, you know, I'm definitely always, you know, working to heal the earth. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what started it. It was just my path, my my own trauma, the trauma in my family, generational trauma, and then also ancestral trauma is what brought me here. Mm. 
man, I mean, that, that bit right there, the correlation between, um, between the experience of violence and trauma, whether it be within our own lived experience or ancestral, and how it correlates with manifestations of healing work, like, that, that's a whole segment, mm-hmm. you know, in its own about how it's just, it's a lifelong journey, right? It's mm-hmm. generations of work. Um, but I, I personally, I feel some strength from that, knowing that, that this work, especially, you know, within our own lineages, you know, that it's been begun, it started prior to us, and our work will strengthen it, and it'll continue after. Absolutely. Yeah. So to speak a little bit about, again, this is like a total props to you as a teacher and also the Kurandera's toolkit. It was a very, very powerful experience. So prior to that, moving from Michigan, most of my experience around spiritual spaces was in the Catholic context. So therefore, any sort of prayer or ritual, I would immediately bristle, immediately in, in, in disregard and like just vehemently had a response. And it wasn't until I started studying Ayurveda out here in, in Indian science, which is their indigenous medicine, that I started to, it was like I was granted permission to revisit connections with ritual, with prayer, with medicine. And and finally, the first, I would say, conscious ancestral work that I did was in honoring the ancestral lineage of my teacher who, who taught. And that's when the whole world, I feel like, started to open up, where suddenly I was weaving in once again to having feelings and having messages and prayer with La Virgen. Um, and so when I came to to your space, uh, I was in that opening of, okay, like I'm grounded again. I've worked through some of the baggage of Catholicism a little bit, um, you know, Let's let's listen. I just wanted to listen. And so that's when I started to acknowledge, once again, my relationship with the moon, the ocean, the sun, having conversations again that before I would nip it in the bud. You know, I was like, that's weird. It's like, mm-hmm. no. I actually like sat in the ocean and I was like, tell me your name. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to know her name. Uh, and then I, again, deepened um, the work I had done around building a relationship with plants and food as medicine and something sacred. You know, even that just that chunk right there was a pretty profound shift mm. for me. And then also one thing I learned from your work also was uh, the concept of relationship with energy and accountability mm. uh, around cleanliness and hygiene and being very aware of what it was that I was putting out and what it was that I was receiving. Mm. And plant medicine was super helpful with all that because it was both the energetic work and very tangible. Mm -hmm. So that being said, again, this is just talks about like how you impacted me Mm -hmm. coming in this space. Uh, And so to speak to folks who are maybe perhaps at similar spots where let's just say they are still healing from religious violence and religious baggage um, for folks who are perhaps feeling intuitively drawn to ancestral work but don't really know what that even means or how to even start uh could you could you speak a little bit on that yeah yeah for sure um so great yeah it's like I'm just so present to like my students or people that I meet you know it's like I am you and you are me you know that in Lakesh Mm -hmm. um because me too I grew up well initially we were Catholic I think it was baptized Catholic when I was really small but um, then we turned Southern Baptist, 
Mm. Yeah, my Panamanian grandmother married a guy from Tennessee. And um, so, yeah, they became Baptist. I lived with my grandmother for a little bit when I was a kid. So we went to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, and then my family, yeah, stayed Baptist, most of my family. And so um, that's in me. That's part of my history, too. Um, it's interesting because I always felt, uh, even as a child, like a, a real connection with Jesus. Mm. And um, I always loved him and I loved his teachings and I felt they were they were true I felt that there were there was truth in them um, but also as a child um, I think I had a radar for fraudulence at the same time and um, so I also saw and had a sense that the people that were going to church weren't actually following or being like um, Jesus <laughs> you know <laughs> so I never really quite understood that um, so, so yeah, but it did, you know, it does get a little complicated. I still actually have Jesus on my altar. He's like my, one of my main, uh, statues on my altar. But when you're decolonizing, you know, those things get really complicated. And, um, I'd say, you know, I've been on the path of healing, like the, the red road for about 13 years. Um, but specifically consciously decolonizing, I'd say for about six and um, and then when I say decolonizing, to me, it means healing. That's what decolonization means to me. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah. And so when I say decolonization and I say healing, you know, to me, that's like I went through depression. I went through anxiety. I went through chronic pain, you know. Um, so all of just healing some really, really deep things. Um and so, yeah, it's, it's complex. Um, some people, I think, who are decolonizing, um, you know, aren't, aren't going to want to have anything to do with Catholicism or with Christianity or with the saints or the mother or Jesus, you know. And some of us, um, because maybe that's what they, we were born into or brought up with, you know, we may still incorporate some of that too, you know, like a lot of the the curanderas, I know, you know, they still mm-hmm. have the saints and they still say the prayers, you know, the Catholic prayers, um, at, while at the same time working with the directions, working with the ancestors, working with the medicine that way. So that's very individual to each person. Once more, what can be complicated about it, too, for myself, it's like while I'm walking forward, I'm still having doubt and I'm still having fear because of those things that have been you know, indoctrinated into me. So same with being same with being queer, you know, mm. it's like um, I've always been queer, but I also grew up Christian. And so and I had a lot of heterosexual relationships um, before this last one that I've been in for the last nine years. So same similar kind of thing. It's like as I'm walking forward, there's still sometimes um, these doubts or fears that come up. Um, but you know, I have to just keep letting them go and just really trusting my truth, myself, and, um, yeah, trusting my path. So so I think that, that that piece that you just mentioned, thank you for giving, for, for mirroring the many ways that that can manifest, right? Like having, experiencing truth while simultaneously experiencing doubt and, and, and in this realm, right, of reconnecting with other realms, um, things that are not just human, right, but whether it be connecting with plants or land or ancestors or within our inner self, um, 
yeah, that's very much present. And so could you uh, suggest to people or just maybe even share, like, how do you manage both? How do you acknowledge without getting overwhelmed? How do you move through it? What gives you strength or what what strengthens your connection to yourself? Mm. Mm, that's a good question. Well, I mean, I'd say I move through it by well, doing my best, and it's not always easy, but doing my best to trust my path and um, staying connected to it, it. What is most important to me is connect, staying connected to the earth and to the plants and to the elements. To me, that is how we heal, is by connecting with the elements. Um, can you talk a little like, what does that mean, to connect to elements? I mean, it can mean so much, but it can mean as simply as you know, acknowledging, you know, there's water, you know, acknowledging the water, um, you know, that it's that it's real, <laughs> that it's alive, that it is that it truly is life, you know, that it gives life. It is life. Um, so acknowledging things like the water and um, making a relationship with it, connecting with it, you know, and like you said, sometimes because of the way we were brought up or because of colonization, you know, we can have these doubts and feel weird for talking to it. But really, when it comes down to it, like that's that's what our grandmothers did. That's what our ancestors did. Those that came before us, they they had a connection to these things. They had a connection to the wind. It wasn't just the wind. That wind brought messages that, you know, led an entire community, like what they were going to do next, you know? And so, you know, that is the trouble, I think, one of them, one of the problems with, with religion and organized religion is like we're, we're losing a sense of like who we are and what we're truly connected with. And of course, it's great to be connected to spirit and all of that. But here on earth, you know, the elements are here. We're here for them and they're here for us. There's a reciprocation um, that should be happening. So yeah, that to me, that that's how I do it. It's just by almost like a person, you know, just being present with the elements, connecting, being present, acknowledging, thanking, asking. Yeah, I think that practice of acknowledgement, uh, you know, if if they're okay, yeah, looking back at my at my my younger self, um, the self that had put all that intuitive medicine right in a closet and shoved it away. Um, I think that's the first piece that I would have um, encouraged her to do would be to acknowledge, uh, acknowledge the sun upon rising, mm -hmm. whether it be to just sit with my face in the sun or whether it be to actually right, say something of gratitude or whether it be to just contemplate on the power of this gift that is sunlight mm -hmm. um, or, or even with consumption with consumption of food, right? Acknowledging, acknowledging, spending time to think about the fact that this came from someone's land, that this came from the gift of water. Where did that water come from? That this came to me across human hands and human sweat. And, and you know, I think, you know, we can launch into a whole other conversation around, com you know, um, capitalism and and commodification of, of everything. Um, but I just think that practice of acknowledgement can be in is extremely profound. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to have this episode as part of a larger conversation around birth, right, mm -hmm. is because in these realms where there's so much unknown, there's so much unknown um, emotionally, physically, right, we don't know how we're going to feel, 
physically or how we're going to feel emotionally. We don't know logically, right, like what what medical decisions we have to make or or, or so forth. Um, I just think before we get into that realm, to I think it's important to break it down into what are the practices that connect us to our strongest selves, mm-hmm. you know, the selves that can that are wide enough to handle the unknown, the uncertainty, while still feeling in our power. And again, you've been such a profound teacher for me in deepening these relationships that I know that when I am in a birth space, you better believe I'm going to have plantitas there. You better believe I'm going to try to have flame, to have stone, um, to have things that in my most vulnerable place, things that will remind me that there's those that came before, that there's those that will come after, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that surrender piece. Started to jump off into that monologue. But yeah, just, yes, the power of acknowledgement, really. Mm -mm -mm. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And I think you're reminding me of like, you know, one thing I love about this this work, I mean, there's many sides to this work. Um, Like you said, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. There's, you know, there's a lot of healing we have to do and healing can be really hard. But what I do love about this work, and I think what just keeps me so inspired about it is how beautiful it is. I mean, you know, I grew up also in low-income housing, apartments, trailer parks. I grew up around the white poor. So poor, but white, and that's a whole other, to me, that's a whole other, it's it's poor. You know, it's a whole, another level of being poor, poor spiritually. You know, to me, you know, white people in general have been um, disconnected from their indigenous roots for the, the longest. Mm. So going back to like thinking about where I, the places I grew up, there wasn't a lot of beauty, you know? It's like when you grow up in low-income housing, there's not a yard, there's not flowers, everything looks the same, all the walls are painted the same, you know? There's a certain smell sometimes to, to poverty, you know? And so um, I think I find, yeah, I find sanctuary in gardens and nature and the beauty of flowers and colors and smells. And to me, that's, you know, that's life. It's like, oh, yeah, here's life. This is how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have all of our senses, you know, lit up. And um, so that's that's one of the parts that keeps me going is just how much beauty there is on this path and in this world, in this life. I know that for many of us, there is not much known about where we come from, about our ancestry. So for folks who would like to connect and feel inclined but don't know where to begin. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's many ways to do it. You know, I mean, we do live in the, uh, the time of DNA tests. I haven't done a t- DNA test. Um, that's, you know, one possibility just to get more information. Um, but... You know, there's other ways that we can connect to, and one way is through our dreams. Mm. A lot of this work, you know, whether we're, you know, working with plants or smoke or however, you know, it's about our intention. So, you know, if we really have that intention, a true intention in our heart, you know, a true wish, um, you know, and we ask and we're clear about it, then things begin to unfold. So in my experience and what I've seen with others, too, is, if you really have that in your heart, you can take it to your dreams, you know, see what kind of messages you get there, um, you know, pray about it if you pray, you know, and if you're on this path, you do. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, just keep looking for, for answers. It's Ancestral work can be very mysterious, you know, like you don't really know why you're drawn to something necessarily or even a plant, you know, or a flower. For me, I, I, I you know, there's certain flowers like um, Sempasuchit, you know, the, the marigold. Um, just thinking about that plant, I can be brought to tears. Um, there's something about that flower to me, you know, and to me, so that tells me that is an ancestral plant of, of mine. So, you know, it's not an easy process if we don't know our ancestry necessarily. Um, but, you know, also start asking questions to who you do know. You know, if your mother is still alive or your father or your grandparents or your aunties or whoever, you know, just just start asking questions. Get down, you know, what what did they eat? You know, what did they drink tea? You know, um, what were their names? Yeah, their names. Um, what do they believe, you know, what do they believe in? What do they love? You know, so it's a lot of, you know, a lot of it's about, um, investigating, you know, but, um, but trust it, trust whatever comes, the mystery, you know, the mystery unfolds and it can be a life, you know, a lifelong journey. There's still more that is definitely unfolding for me. So, Mm -hmm. so that's what I would say. I think that too, that, uh, that journey of asking questions can very much bring up the, both the doubt right? The uncertainty, particularly because oftentimes, especially if Ancestry.com is, is being a resource, we hear, you know, page, uh, um, father lines, you know, yeah. we hear like, those are the stories that we, that we, that we listen to. Um, and I know that when I first started asking questions, I felt disappointed because I wasn't told stories about epically, strong women with big personalities who also loved plants and dancing you know like mm -hmm. I it's like I was seeking I guess I was seeking myself in the stories mm -hmm. and what came back were stories of violence and trauma and strength and courage right uh, especially in like the the coming from Mexico to the states back to Mexico back to the states um, and knowing that the aspects of myself that I value now historically would have been deemed inappropriate would have been deemed dangerous right like uh the last episode we touched upon you know like ah oh, that's brujeria right mm. um so it makes sense that the first stories that we come across are often the ones that were safe enough to pass down through history um and i think there's something powerful too as you mentioned the dream work about that there's that there's an aspect of knowing that is illogical, mm -hmm. right? Like there's, um, for me, the, I have this grandmother presence that when I'm in deeper states of meditation, I feel, and it's illogical because I've never experienced a grandmother and, you know, feeling like that. I, that's just not my experience of grandmothers. Um, and sometimes I'm just like, oh, am I just romanticizing or, you know, try to discredit it. And then the longer that I still feel her, the more I'm like, regardless of whether this is made up, or whether this is an actual person or whether it's an archetype, like regardless of the name, um, she brings me information. She mm -hmm. brings me healing. And I think that, um, that yeah, that part of this ancestral work is just to learning to trust, is learning to take the information given and to not, you know, and to not uh, get caught up in our logical minds in our, as you mentioned, uh, the colonized aspects of, oh, this is just frivolous, this is silly, it's not, you know, I, it's not important because I can't get paid, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. with this information. Um, 
yeah, I think that piece has also been really, been really rich. Absolutely. Yeah, you're reminding me too that, you know, one of my teachers also says, you know, if you're drawn to this path, that somewhere along your lines, there was a healer Hmm. somewhere. And you may not know exactly who, but it was there. And also I'm reminded after what you said, just, um, you know, we're here to heal our ancestors too. When we do this work, we, we are healing our ancestral lines. And not only are we healing those that, you know, were oppressed, but we're also healing the oppressors that are in our ancestral line. Yes. And, you know, I know that's a thing. I know not, you know, every indigenous person claims their Spanish blood, and that's, you know, very individual. For me, there was a time when I didn't, and I didn't want to, and I didn't want to look at that. I didn't feel any pride in that. Um, and I still don't necessarily feel pride in it. Um, but for me, like I said, because the, my family is so Spanish, um, my great grandfather was born in Salamanca. Um, you know, I have to really look at that. I have to, I, you know, I get to really look at that, that that's in me too, mm. you know? And um, so on one hand, that's also like I'm doing this work for my indigenous ancestors, but I'm also doing it to heal the patriarchy, to heal colonization, to heal um, homophobia, to heal capitalism, you know, on all those things that, that, that it's brought to the people on the planet. So, um, yeah, this work is, is healing not only for me and, and those around me and the earth, and, but for, for all of those that came before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And something you said reminded me of something you said in the past, too, which is the power of acknowledging where we're at in this moment. Right, because we do. There is context. So, so okay. This body in this manifestation very much has context in the here and now. Right, just as also if we were in a different geographical location, it would have a very different context. Right, that on top of all the plays of our ancestral history. Right, um, and yeah. So, to, so to to bring that back into the power of connecting with the here and now, the power of learning about the people who stewarded this land, right? The indigenous peoples whose land we're on now. Learning about the plants that grow here indigenously mm-hmm. and also learning about the plants who are not indigenous but who are, you know, also frequent visitors around the area. Learning mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the the history of the water, um, learning about, right, the quote-unquote environmental issues, uh, which it's not just environmental issues, they're us issues, right? Um I think props for folks who are, again, maybe not super, because also with my German side of the family, violence is huge. Uh, When I, you know, to go back to when I started asking questions, uh, sexual violence, uh, murder, uh, like there was so much horror in just two to three generations of folks that no one wanted to talk about it, Mm -hmm. which is understandable. And some of us are able and willing to start diving into healing that sort of work and others are like let me just connect to myself and you know get through the day um and so i think uh i think reminding folks to yeah go outside to touch the earth to touch the water to learn about this area to to find connection between our heart and where we're at right now can also be a really fertile place um to awaken ancestral connection Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, you're reminding me too, you know, one other thing that I've been taught along the way is, um, you know, that we all should have 
a place in nature that we go to to grieve. Mm. And that's really like that's really how how to heal um, is, you know, to bring it to the earth, to bring our tears there, to bring the pain in our heart there, you know, and just give it back so it can be, you know, the earth has that power to compost it and to make it into something beautiful. So, yeah, you're reminding me of that as well. So speaking of plants, for folks out there who are wanting to make plant friends, mm-hmm. especially folks who are in the Bay, could you offer some suggestions on on plantitas? Oh, man. Yes. Let's, uh, let's, let's see. I love plants. There's so much I can say about plants. You know, again, it's about this work, this path of curanderismo and healing um, is really about connection. So if you're feeling a calling to plants, you know, I encourage you to say hi, you know, and I know that can feel a little awkward at first. But remember, any kind of anything in your mind that's saying this is weird or awkward, that's all like coming from a colonial viewpoint. That's all, you know, that's all that. So if you want to go that way, you can. But you know, I'd say, you know, connect, introduce yourself. Hi, you know, ask and then talk to the plant. Ask the plant, you know, who are you? What are you here for? Spend some time, you know. Um, if, you, if you ask questions, you know, take some time, meditate there, and you will hear some answers. So that's what I'd say. Just connect, you know, start looking around. Gosh, we live in such a beautiful area that there's so many native plants here, um, there's so many beautiful gardens. You know, here we are in Berkeley today. I love driving through Berkeley because there's so many gorgeous gardens. Um, look in your neighborhood. You know, what are your neighbors growing? You know, so I think that's one good way is just just to acknowledge and make that connection. Yeah. And I know a lot of us, too, grow up with connections to certain plants. Like for mm-hmm. me, roses have always been super important and also lilac, mm. which my grandma used to have this ginormous snowball lilac bush like the size of my I mean at the time I thought they were the size of my head but they were so fragrant and I haven't seen them out here yet um but I think yeah so for those of us when we have these plants that you know stick with us through our our childhood I think it's really fun and important to start there Mm -hmm. right I know a lot of folks out here connections with trees Mm -hmm. with redwoods okay then go sit with the redwoods smell it um learn about it Mm -hmm. uh and then also um, for folks who find it challenging to be embodied, I think sometimes it's also helpful is um, the plants such as rue, ruda, um, yarrow, sage, rosemary, lavender. The plants that have very strong fragrances yeah. can be helpful in bringing you back to this moment, even if it's just for one breath. Absolutely. Absolutely. You named some of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Batul. Thank you so much for being here um, I really, really look forward to continuing to to know you and to continue to see uh, more of your offerings into this world. Is there any peace in closing? Any advice? Any wisdom? Any I don't know, prayer? Anything mm. that you feel you want to offer right now? Oh, mm. uh, let's see. I think you know, and just in closing words, you know, if if someone out there, if you're out there and you're feeling a call, you know, you're feeling a draw to ancestral medicine, the plants, um, healing, uh, the elements. You know, there's so many ways we can go with it. But if you're feeling that, just to really trust it and know that it's, it is your right, you know, mm-hmm. that, that you have a right to heal. 
and um, you have a right to connect with um, these things that are here for for you for your healing and that you're you have the medicine inside you to support life as well so I'd say go with it you know and and just keep following it thank you the music you heard on today's show is Green and Gold by Leanne La Havas. Deep gratitude to Batul Trueheart for being our guest. Connect with Batul on Instagram at Batul Trueheart or email at masomedicina at gmail.com. You can find both of these things on our show notes. Check out Episode 3, Ancestral Medicine Series, Part 2, where we connect with birth worker Jenny Silva to explore more specifically what it looks like to weave ancestral medicine into our lives and birth work. I've been your host, Ari Guajardo-Johnson. The Birth Bruja podcast is produced by Catherine Petru of We Rise. Be sure to check out show notes for links and resources. Follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes to help us expand the impact of this work. Until next time, my friends, thank you for all the ways you show up in this world. Blessings and gratitude. Gratitude.